Hey everybody, this is Terrence Golden and you're listening to First and Foremost, the podcast for those that are in between the dollar and the dream of owning their own business. And today, my special guest is Darlene Hurt. Darlene is a certified NLP trainer, a certified neuro-linguistic programming master coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, Journey of Intention, Life Made to Order. She is the founder of You Empowered Services and the owner of the St. Louis franchise of Team Referral Network. Her degree in education has been pivotal in her ability to train and teach others to step into their true selves. Why don't we listen in to this interview? Um, Darlene, how are you this morning? I am phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. Um, Darlene, I uh, we Darlene and I met uh, probably about a month ago, and I and I immediately was like, oh, I have to podcast with her because um, she was just saying a uh, a lot of things about positive imagery and positive using your words when you when you speak positive, it changes your mind, and I was tuned into that. So the she we always say that this she is my people, okay? <laughs> so. Uh, so, uh, where did you grow up, Darlene? I grew up and I was born in France. My father was in the military. And I grew up primarily in Texas until I was 14 at different Air Force bases. He was an instructor. And then I had about a year and a half out in Columbus, Mississippi. But other than that, until I was 14, I was in Texas. Moved here as a freshman in high school. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you're a Dallas Cowboys fan then? I was, okay. yes. And uh, I would never allude to my father that I'm not. Uh, <laughs> Well, we don't talk about We it. don't do that. <laughs> um, Nate's a big Dallas fan. That's a friend of ours as well. Um, so uh, who was the most influ- influential person in your life growing up? My parents. I would have to say both of my parents for two different reasons. My dad for work ethic and the pursuit of education. And my mom for her ability to laugh at herself, her gentleness, her easygoing style and mannerisms and stuff like that. I would say that. Um, absolutely my parents yeah that's awesome I mean a lot of people do mention that and and I I, I mentioning the work ethic when you said work ethic um, what a, what was it about his work ethic do you remember what was the, what was the strongest thing about it well in complete transparency it was the many times he was not home at night and uh, so I believe in what I do that you're modeled a behavior and either you choose to adapt the behavior or not and I found that most of my life, I have adapted that behavior. And so now the choice that I make is stop, enjoy your family, guess what? The work will be there tomorrow. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is probably the, um, the thing about my father's work ethic that I learned from, mm-hmm. adopted, and then grew from. Wow. That's awesome. Um, what are some of the things that you uh, learned about work that are still a part of how you work today? Now, I mean, I know that that was the biggest point for you, but like, what um, what things in your work life are you are like developed that defined it for you? So I would say the idea of collaboration. Um, I am big on collaboration. And I believe as a former teacher, a religious education director, I was all about pulling the team together. Everybody's mind in a situation is better than one mind, right? (laughs) Yeah. And um, 
when I became an entrepreneur, that closed tremendously, which we'll talk about later, but, <coughs> excuse me. So I would say collaboration, I would say um, always have a goal in mind, where are you going? And then for who I am, I was like, okay, that's a great goal, but what's after that? <laughs> let's go for that then. Awesome. Um, let's get into a business frame of mind. Uh, do entrepreneurs, in your, in your opinion, do they have a different mindset uh, than, say, a person who works for someone? Um, what is that entrepreneurial mindset? Hopefully they have a different mindset. And this is literally my experience because I had the mindset of teaching, working for someone. And when I became an entrepreneur, um, I realized that as, as a person who works for somebody receiving a paycheck every week, every two weeks, however that's set up, you know your limits. You know that clearly this is what you're going to make uh, as far as finances. Clearly these are the people that you're going to surround yourself Clearly, you're going to have this boss, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden, you have this ceiling that goes forever. You get to define that. But you also have a floor that can drop out from underneath you. Mm. And so I think being aware of that, um, you better be very cautious of your mindset because in my experience, freedom is one of my values. <laughs> and I had to be aware of that, that, okay, so Friday's play day because I'm my own boss. Right. <laughs> and uh, just to learn to balance that mm. and then bringing in what I just told you about work ethic, being aware of that as well. So I think as an entrepreneur, you have to have the mindset of uh, confidence. You have to always have in front of you what your goals are and always the purpose that you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, and I, I I really appreciate what you're saying about like uh, understanding that freedom is your value. Like, I feel like I'm that kind of person, and I would be an entrepreneur that would say Friday is play day. I'm done. Like, <laughs> like we did hard work Monday through Thursday. It's my time. You know, um, <laughs> what do you think would would block that kind of mindset? That's good for being an entrepreneur. Hearing no. Um, being hung up on, going out into networking organizations and nobody's really interested in what you have to say. Oh. Uh, so your confidence starting to slide. Um, I would say that uh, being aware of that constantly and then that whole surrounding yourself with the right people yeah. so that um, when those moments happen, you just kind of shake it off and move on. Yeah, but for you, what's that one thing that um, that when you get the no or you get the hang up, what says, okay, darling, I'm gonna remember this and keep on moving? Mm -hmm. I would say that one of my big things that we talk about a lot in NLP is failure is only feedback. That's all it is. That's good. And so for somebody to tell me no, then once again, whatever I have to offer them is not what they need. And that's okay. Wow. Because chances are that's reciprocal on somebody else. They're offering a product, service, need, whatever that I that I do not need. Hmm. And to be okay with that and know that um, so how so do I need to go someplace else with my plan and find a different networking group, find a different 
speaking engagement, whatever that might be, for the right pe- for my message to fall on the right people's ears. Wow. And that's and that's okay now. Right. I will tell you that that was not okay when I when I first began this because I didn't have the tools or the mindset to understand to understand it wow that's a that's great i mean i I think that's so helpful to entrepreneurs especially when they're first starting out you're right i think any little thing stops us i mean even preparing to do our business we will let a like a challenge it hasn't even it hasn't even really materialized it's still in our mind but it's like a challenge is there and i'm like i need two weeks to think about this i need and two weeks turns into two months and six months so yeah you're just already you know i mean this is great so let's talk about the coaching that you do for um some of the people out there that are in this kind of area what and you just don't do entrepreneurs you let, let me be clear you you work on mindset for anybody, uh, CEOs all the way down to people that are um, are like maybe they're doing custodial work, whatever. Um, but y- you help unblock people so they can do work, right? Do their best work, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so part of the my coaching aspect of what I do is that when when we know that we're capable of more, we know that. And we just can't seem to move past it for whatever reason. You know, the, we have these limiting decisions and these self-doubts that we call them the ants, annoying negative thoughts that hang out in our head and they start creeping all over our mind and all of a sudden they take over our mind. I know that, that's my story. Hmm. And to help people understand that, that number one, we do not have to buy into societies. We do. We should not ever buy into what society thinks of us. Um, and number two, that it's showing itself because we're called to learn. You know, when, when something keeps coming back into our mind, uh, say something happened years ago, and we had forgotten about it, you know, oh man, I forgot all about that. And now it's showing up in my brain. That's just our brain knocking, saying, hey, you're ready to learn from this. Uh, Why don't we address this? Don't mask me with something, mm-hmm. you know, with some other kind of, you know, don't mask me with over-exercising. Don't mask me with uh, drugs or alcohol. Don't mask me. I want to teach you something. Wow. And you're ready to learn. And by the way, it might not be easy, but by the way, you are going to kick life with this knowledge. Nice. That is awesome. That I is love. I, I love to do. I love that. And you know, speaking of that, you know, I, hopefully, I'm going to get into your story a little bit uh, that you uh, put out in your book. Now, one of the most interesting things is I read through your book. One of the most interesting things, and the thing that I I probably um, related to the most uh, resonated with me was the mind asleep. Right, <laughs> that we're asleep. Um, I was like, wow, and and. I just just talk about that just a little bit being asleep and what that means to you so in NLP we talk about 97% of the people walk around asleep now, I personally think the best place to see that is at the airport <laughs> everybody is zoned out nobody they're in a trance right? autopilot yeah. yes they just <laughs> and so I sit there and I'm mesmerized probably in my own trance watching them <laughs> 
And uh, so 97% of the people walk around like that. And you think, why is that? And I think that one of the words that I always am aware of in my life is complacency. Um, it's what I know, it's what I do, it's okay. So I'll do just day in, day out, and one day I'll die and whatever. And that is 97% of the people. And the other side of that is, the reason, even if they recognize something in, inside of themselves and they want to learn, there's this word called fear. Mm. Fear. What's that song? Fear is a liar. Right? Yeah. But people get so stuck in that fear. Something else I have a lot of experience with. And so that fear becomes a survival technique. So they know that, I get the chills when I talk about this. They know that they're going to get up tomorrow morning. They know that they're going to survive because fear is keeping them there. Mm. So the 3% of the people that I love working with are the ones that says, yeah, I've got some fear, but really, let's get on with it. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. Yeah. Because really, I'm not here to survive. I'm here to thrive. <laughs> yeah. And I want to do that. Yeah. That's wonderful. I, yeah. I, I can see why you feel that way because that's really powerful. Uh, mm -hmm. Fear is literally one of the biggest stoppers I, I can think of. Um, I was just thinking the other morning, I, I woke up and uh, I was like, Terrence, you need to live from the truth and not your pain. Like you need to just say, there are things that happen to us in life, but it doesn't mean that this is gonna happen every single time. This is, this is what's true. That's not, you know, being able to say what's true. And really, I think that helps wake the mind up for me is going, what's true, what's not true? Like going back to the baseline. Definitely. One of the things that my, one of my keynotes is called, what's the motivation? And so we're motivated by two things. We're motivated, motivated by fear or we're motivated by love. And I, I believe that when you, whenever you make a decision, um, you can very easily be motivated by either one of them. Mm. So let's say that, let's say that we were motivated. So when I started my business, mm -hmm. okay, I had this great desire to help people get past this, right? But when I first started, you know, I'm responsible for the success, right? So if I look at that motivation, if I'm motivated by fear or if I'm motivated by love, and I'll be real, real honest with you, I was motivated by fear. The fear of, I really didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> the fear of, can I make this work? Mm -hmm. The fear of, do I really have the tools? All those fears I could list. And so how successful do you think I was being? How do you think I was showing up? Hi, I really think I could maybe help you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can give me a chance. <laughs> but then when I looked at that in the, in the context of a motivation of love, and I went, I have been there. I have done that. I mm. know. Wow. I know exactly what I can do to help somebody. And all I have to do is share that with them. Mm. And when I come from a space of love, it all takes care of itself. Wow. And I, I really believe every decision we make, we can balance that. And yeah. we can understand if we're motivated by fear, we have the capacity inside of us to switch that motivation to love. Wow. And if we can't, perhaps that's not the place for us or that's not what we should be doing or whatever it is like that. That is amazing. So good. Um, when, do you, uh, when, you, when did you start uh, coaching others to feel empowered? How long ago was that? How long have you been on this path? Well, that's a great question because I was a teacher prior to this life. 
And I didn't, I, it was kind of interesting that I always taught PE or religious education, the two motivating, inspiring kind of subjects that are available, right? <laughs> and so I would say that back then, I lived to show up at work to motivate a child or, in a, or inspire a child to seek their better self. And I would say that I was even doing that unconsciously because it's just who I am. Mm. And then when I became a religious education director, I would have parents on the other side of my desk, desk seeking some kind of affirmation or solution or clarity or uh, helping them pass the limiting decision that, you know, that they've made about themselves. And as I grew in neurolinguistics programming, I thought, I could do this on a much bigger scale. Hmm. And I realized that that was God calling me forth to take the next step to helping people in a way that I now have the tools to help. That's awesome. And <laughs> I just think about like wh what you're saying there is, is God calling you uh, to do something. Um, tell us a little bit about when you're coaching, how do you get people that may not may come from a world like well, God? Really? Like, wait, well, let's stop. I got to back up because I didn't know about God. I mean, how do you how do you coach people through that? That that there's a purpose that really God designed you for. Mm -hmm. um, how do you go about that? So on my intake form, I always ask them about their spirituality, mm. so I know a bit about where they are. Because since I'm a woman of God, I want to make sure that I walk in their, on their path. Not, it's never my goal to put them on my path. So it's their path where they want to go. And I would say across the board, at the very least, they say, I believe in something. Yeah. So they believe in a higher power. And for whatever reason, they don't want to name the higher power God. And, and that's okay with me. Um, but as when I know that they believe in something bigger than themselves, we have a lot to work with. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. which is what I love. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that a is that a mindset thing where you see a lot of people that feel like, or I, I imagine you probably don't see a ton of people like this that are just like, "There's nothing but me. I don't really have anything else." I mean, I don't nothing outside of me. It's just me. Do you do you have to work with those kind of pe people? I haven't really worked with those kinds of people, um, and that would be my own perception of my own experience of when it's all about me that's called ego, which is edging God out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so, um, you know, you attract the energy that you are, so most likely that person would not even be attracted to mm. me as a coach because... I don't know where would we go with that. Yeah. If, they're, if this is all about them, when I believe that the whole purpose of us is to be at service to other people, and it's all about me, I don't know where do we go with that. Yeah. You know? Now, if they are seeking, if they happen to be seeking an understanding, that I can help them with, mm. uh, because uh, through questioning, um, asking particular questions, and eliciting answers and then reflecting on that with them you know we can bring them to see that oh my gosh this is my ego yeah yeah and my experience in that is I was doing what we call a breakthrough in NLP and this is a process that can take 10 to 14 hours a day one of the things I love doing and I was I was the the client and my practitioner was you know saying 
we do this process where you just keep at them. What else? What else? And what else? And what else? And all of a sudden I said, well, it's my ego. And I went, what did I just say? <laughs> she goes, you just said it was your ego. And I went, oh, did I say that out loud? Because that was my unconscious mind mm. finally opening up and saying, boom, here it is. And so I realized in that moment that my ego was my defense mechanism. Wow. So when I am, when push comes to shove, I can feel this as I'm talking to you because of the experiences that I've had, that my back goes against the wall and right? Yeah. I don't need to do that anymore. Mm. You know, but that was a great lesson for me to learn is the, the power of the, um, the power of the ego in a very negative reflection. So I would say the ego is opposite of Holy Spirit. Oh. Ego is always in competition with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has no competition, so it's never in competition. Yeah. So once I recognize that, it's like, okay, you and me, God, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, or how do we recognize behavior or thoughts? How do, how do we recognize them as they're manifesting, like, in, in what we're doing? The uh, ants in the brain? Yes. Well, I'll give you my experience. Okay. I was showing up at school and showing up as a religious education director and I was telling the children and the parents how much they were loved. There's nothing they could do that would ever withdraw that love. And then on the way home, I would have these little voices going, now darling, you know, that's true for everybody but you. You know, you're in a place of authority and shame, shame, shame on you for not being perfect and on and on and on it went. And um, I would also buy into, I accepted one day in the course of my life as a young child, I accepted what people would say to me, about me. I took that on as my own, which, uh, what was his name, Charles Cooley? That, um, that and he was late 1800s, was a sociologist, and he did this whole thing about we image, we take on the image of what people give us. Oh, the looking glass self. Yeah, the looking glass self, thank yeah. you. And as we, as we take that on, I, I absolutely 100% buy into that. And so he wrote that in the late 1800s, okay, or you know, he died in 1920, 21, something like that. So that's about that time frame. And I think what's important to, about that is that his research was showing that and think about the community at that time that community was just right there right like maybe the town you lived in mm -hmm. and he recognized in his work that we tend to take on other people's perceptions of ourselves yeah and this once again I get the goosebumps when I talk about this but and so that is true and now let's look at that today it's not just our community we have social media telling us who we should be, what we should look like, how much we should weigh, mm. what color our hair should be, our teeth should be bright white, mm. right? <laughs> oh, and then we have these commercials that tell us the same thing. And we even have TV shows built around that same thing, right? Yeah. That people are telling us who we should be. And I bought into that. Wow. I absolutely bought into that until the day that that I literally said, I was standing in my dining room in my house, and I said, I'm done. If God, if today's the day you want to take me, I'm done. And that was the best day of my life because saying it out, out loud like that caused me to take action, and yeah. I made a phone call. Yeah. You can only 
hold up the facade for so long. I mean, you get weary, right? And mm-hmm. um, and that person, I it was interesting because um, as I was boxing up my things to leave the job for the last time, um, I was going. I was saying to myself, I was like, "You have supported this inauthentic person for so long. Mm-hmm. Like we, I go to school for them." I uh, I come I make sure I'm up on time. I've missed time with my kids for this inauthentic person. I spend so much time supporting that side of myself. I'm like, when have you done anything for the authentic self? Your authentic person. When have you done anything? And I'm like, yeah, I've done a few things. You know, I get I get up in the morning and I pray. <laughs> I get up and I read my Bible. Okay, you know, but. Um, but really, I put so much, I just realized, I think at that time, I feel like I was just seeing so much work that I'd given to something that was, that was inauthentic. And, and I was like, do I really want to even do this? Is this the job that I really, really wanted to work at? Like, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of questions to ask. So I, I really can um, uh, connect with that. And ultimately, on with your job that you were just talking about, so ultimately, if you looked at that job and I said to you, want a little coaching? Oh yeah, okay. let's do it. <laughs> so if I said to you, name three things about that job, positive in nature and only about you that you learned, what would you tell me? The, the people were great. I mean, like I had, I built okay, great relationships. About the people. Okay. okay. You can build great relationships. I can build Perfect. great relationships. That's a great thing to learn. <laughs> um, I uh, oh I can learn almost anything because they would just throw things at me and be like yeah I have that fixed well, I'll accept that if you take almost out oh I can learn anything <laughs> what else um, and let's see what else did I discover there you just named it a minute ago what was it I am an authentic person I am an authentic person yeah yeah so see, I did learn that at the very end, didn't see? I? Yes, yeah. you did. So that's mindset right there. Yeah. That's mindset. Because you could have walked away from that job and you could have never learned a valuable lesson from that. So you know the story of the, um, the alcoholic father who had identical twin sons, right? No, tell me that one. So they're interviewing the sons. One's an alcoholic like his dad and one is a really successful um, business person. And so they asked the alcoholic son, why are you an alcoholic? And he said, I learned it from my father. And they look at the successful son and they say, how is it that you're so successful? And he said, I learned it from my father. <laughs> choice is a powerful thing. Yes, it is. Wow. That's so, deep. It's all about the choices that we make. I love that. That's really good. Thank you for that. That's sure. And this is the kind of things that you do for people. And I love that. You help people really untangle the uh, the mess and things that organize and really think clear about um, yes that and learn the lessons and learn you know, the I lessons. just I was talking to a young woman the other day who you know she said to me I I love my mom but she's not the mom I wanted you know my mom is a very strict straightforward no I love yous no hugs kind of woman mm. and so it was so I, it was so easy for me and so hard for her, right? Because I knew, all I said to her was, how was your mom raised? Oh, well, my mom, you know, dad, her dad was gone and her mom was 
always working and never around for her and she always had to do things on her own and I just looked at her and I go and that's your mom's map of reality mm. and she just her face just like went pale she just went oh my gosh I go so how about if we just love your mom right now mm -hmm. here she is and understand that she does the best that she can with the tools that she has is that one of the things that happens to us as we try to guard ourselves from life that we become selfish or self um, self-protective mm -hmm. and so and so it's not it's not good for me to see where mom is because I'm trying to protect me I, I I, yes, I, I hear what you're saying. So my personal story in that is that if you had met me 10 years ago and we were sitting here talking and having an intimate conversation to him, to, with you, I would say, Terrence, I'd go, what is love to you? What is love? And, you know, you would share with me because I asked my spiritual director, I asked my pastors, I asked my best friends. I, here I am, a married woman of 30-something years and asking what is love. Mm. And as, the, as, as I got into NLP and I had these major breakthroughs, what I discovered was my father was in the military, so he was in and out of our lives, right? Um, I was in and out of the lives of my grandparents, my cousins. I moved every two years, right? Mm. So my love language is time. Nice. So when your love language is time and people are coming in and out of your lives, oh, and by the way, I married a man who works out of town. Okay. Yeah. And so when you have that, and somewhere in my heart, now, uh, in my brain, I can read something, I can read a love story, and oh, that's love, whatever. But my heart just was not congruent because I didn't get it. Mm. And so the great gift is that I looked at my father's life. He was a child who was raised during the Depression, right? And the only chance that, that he had in, in being able to raise a family was to go into the military. Yeah. That was the chance he had. Yeah. So he did that, and it took him away from home. Well, instead of me seeing that and thinking, I can't figure out love based on that, when it struck me that my dad loved us so much yeah. that he was willing to go in and out of the country, all around the world, move us every two years, because he wanted us to have food shelter mm. and love yeah and that was a that was that was the turning point in my life wow and i did that as a 40 something year old woman probably 48 and so now my goal is to help people through this early on because what blocks you in your personal life shows up in your business life yeah and it just stagnates us across the board wow that's there's not a dryer in the room right now. I'll tell you that much. That was great because my dad was in the military and, and you're right, uh, I've, I had that conversation. Um, I think it was, uh, there was a movie back, I don't remember what year, uh, I, was th I was probably like 21, 22, and uh, it, was, it was a movie, it had uh, Denzel Washington in it and, and um, there was a, another lady in it and, and Basically, it was Medal of Honor or something like that. But she died in in uh, in an event, a military event, and they were trying to figure out what happened and all of those things. But I was watching this firefight that they were doing, and I was like thinking to myself, like, my dad literally put himself on the line like that 
for me for you know and i i literally was like 22 years old realizing that your old man is the best guy like like you you're actually cool (laughs) so i mean it was it was and, and that comes after a long time of being about 12 to 18 growing into a man and just having that 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 knocking the heads because we're the same person you know knocking heads and all that stuff and then 22 go you know what man i love you because you are i see your example i i get it now i see your example cool that's how my so my son's in the military as well and about that time when i was having that conversation with god with the other compounding effect of that was that was the first time he'd gone to afghanistan Mm. and so when I told you earlier that I get fear, I get fear at the core, I get fear at the core. Mm. Because um, that was my, that my, I had two big fears wrapped around that. One is that he would die, but being the product or and being the product of a military family and during the Vietnam era and, and seeing what I saw there, is that we would come back without a soul. Oh yeah. And that was the scary part. Yeah, wow. But, He's doing great. That's awesome. Um, how if I need to be, if I feel like this is going to be helpful, and I, I recognize in myself that I've got some blocks and things of those natures, and I want to reach out to you for coaching. First, do you do online coaching? Can you do it from the phone? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, almost, almost 100% across the board I do uh, coaching. My training is, on, uh, in, is in sensory acuity as well. And so I either do Zoom or I do uh, phone coaching. Okay. All right. It's wherever whoever's wherever they're most comfortable. But almost coaching across the board is is done like that these days. Okay. And I will I'll, I'll actually give you guys the uh, web address and her contact information, both in the show notes, and I'll do that so that I'll actually give those out at the end Great. of the broadcast so that you can reach out to Derling. Um, this is the lightning round, right? I love this. This is my uh, five uh, important questions that I like to ask. Um, Darlene, what is your favorite local food? So my favorite local food is probably Stefanina's pizza. <laughs> and I think that I like it so much because it's such an anomaly when people come in from out of town to take them there. And uh, recently I had some friends out from California. She's like, thanks, you're growing pizza for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stefanina's pizza is... <laughs> It's very good. It's it's delicious. Um, both both uh, we all love that. But more specifically, are you a toasted rav person or a toasted raviolis? Or are you a slinger person? Toasted ravs. Yeah. The word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> toasted ravs. I've seen the slinger and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, what book in your mind is a must read? Well, it kind of depends on the topic. Um, I think one of uh, the one of the really cool books that I read was John Maxwell's Failing Forward. The only way you can move forward is to fail, mm. right? Yeah. Great book. Um, one of my books that I would even read to adults to this day is one that I would read to my junior high students called The Old Turtle and the Broken Truth. <laughs> it's like it's like a kid's book, right? Right. It, it's really kind of a, um, I would say, probably fourth on that book because little kids don't grasp it but the whole purpose of the broken truth is that that there is a truth that's broken in half and half of it is found and so there becomes this community that thinks they're entitled to everything Mm. because 
that truth that's stated on there says something like, you're it. And um, so a little girl goes in search for the other half of the truth, and it's, you're it, and so is everybody else, basically, is the story. Wow. But it's got a great, powerful punch to it that we all need to live by. I love that. Yeah. That, that makes you go to, like, a yard sale and be like, uh, you're like, let the book come to me, right? <laughs> like, like, bring me to the book. And last week I read um, The Seven Levels of Communication. And that book spoke my language across the board. I literally finished that, I turned off all the electronics so I could finish the book, read it, went the next day and started initiating what I learned in that book because it speaks, it was, I was doing some of the things in there and it, it uh, kind of validated mm. what I was doing. You know, it's not, it, so one of the things that it says in there is write personal notes, handwritten notes, no logo, nothing about your business, nothing about that. I love doing that. And I was doing that. I was like, oh, this is so <laughs> fun. I, I love this. Yeah. So that has become part of my gratitude in the morning is to sit down and write four notes to people that I've met and, uh, and say something about them that, uh, that I learned in conversation with them. Wow. And nothing else. That's a fantastic, I just picked that up, handwrite, written notes, just this summer. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It is, that's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, I usually, um, when we, my wife and I have a small group, it's a Mexican Monday small group, and um, we just, just people that love Mexican food. I was thinking just uh, <laughs> And um, we uh, encourage them to write one powerful note to someone a week, and so when, when we meet, we bring uh, a card and a and a little envelope for each one of them. And I just go to the dollar store and just make sure I have it in their hands. Like that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, best advice you ever received about business? The best advice I've ever received about business actually is came from a fellow coach. And uh, when you're in business, everybody's telling you best practices. Everybody's telling you what you should do. And she looked at me one day and she said, Darlene, trust your intuition. Do what you know to be the right thing for you and your business. If you want to listen to people, listen to them. But at the end of the day, you do what you know is right. Just like writing those notes. Yeah. I knew that that was congruent with myself. And so that's what I needed to do. And how they're received is whatever. Mm. But, at the, but I knew that was the right thing for me. And so that's really something that I've taken on and, and it's been very powerful for me. That's amazing. Okay, last question, and it's a question I ask everyone. Um, Darlene, what should be first and foremost in the minds of an entrepreneur? Clarity. Clarity of goals. Clarity of purpose. Clarity of who you want to um, offer your product or service to. I would say clarity. Awesome. I spent my first year Pretty much fuzzy in a haze, <laughs> trying a little bit of everything, all necessary because that was my that was my uh, springboard for learning from. Hmm. But yeah, I would say clarity Clear. goals. Mm -hmm. Darlene Hertz, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I really appreciate this. I think everybody's going to get some good value out of this podcast. And I will say this: you will be back on the show at another time. I don't know when, but we will. She's always jet setting everywhere, teaching people all across the world. So, um, but hopefully you'll be able to uh, find some space in your schedule to come back. Always, always, always. Right. So thank you so much, Terrence. Thank, thank you. For you. This.
Hey, I hope you enjoyed our show today, and I hope you enjoyed our guest, Darlene Hertz. If you want to get in touch with Darlene for coaching or have some questions, you can always go to her website, youempoweredservices.com. That's youempoweredservices.com. You can go there, hit the contact link, and she'll be sure to get back with you soon. Hey, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.